Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer and set of offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. This is Jenny Allen, and you are listening to the Made for This podcast. Well, Louie, I am so excited to have you on the podcast today. And I can't wait. You know I can't wait to talk about what we're going to talk about. This is something you and I both have thought about an unusual number of hours. When you write a book, nobody prepares you for how long you're going to just have to think about it, like the topic. And so I am so excited to talk to you about this today. And in fact, it was just even on my mind yesterday. I made a post about condemnation and how a lot of women live with this condemnation that's constantly feeding them a narrative. And so the book is brilliant. And I want you to start, because I have heard the story and I love this part, about how these words, don't give the enemy a seat at your table, came to you. Well, hey, thanks for having me on. I'm so pumped to be uh, talking to you today. And I'm so grateful for your life, your ministry, your impact. And I'm excited about your new book coming up. And I want to talk about that, by the way, if we have a second. I know your audience probably knows all about it. But I'm intrigued to know a little bit more about it. I think I have a hunch uh, what's coming and it's super needed. And so thank you for having me on. You know, someone asked me, Jenny, and you know, you were just kind of referring to it. You write a book and then you have to talk about that book for a couple of months, which is great. But in the process, I've, my new plan, Jenny, is I'm going to write a book, turn it in, and then I'm going to put it out and then I'm going to pull it back after I talk about it for six months. I'm going to rewrite it yeah. and edit it a little bit with all the stuff that I've learned in the, in the six months of talking about so true. it. true. But someone asked me, you know, who'd you write this book for? And I said, I wrote it for myself. And I know that's not me being selfish. It's just this message changed my life. And it did in a moment when I was being extraordinarily petty. And when I had lost sight of the fact that I'm the son of a king. And Shelly and I had gone through a long, uh, hard season, maybe six months-ish, maybe a little longer, of just a tough situation where things were said and things were done that, um, you know, you just can't take back sometimes. And we were grinding through it, uh, trying to take the high road, whatever that means. That makes me sound like I was right. But anyway, somewhere in the midst of this thing, I get a phone call on the way home from work one day. And it's a friend who says, you're not going to believe what I heard today. Well, I'm telling you, that's not the spirit doesn't love that, but the flesh loves that opening phrase. You're not going to believe what I just heard, because that means probably the news that's coming is going to vindicate you in some way, or it's just going to be something you've been hoping for. In this case, it vindicated me a tiny bit. I couldn't wait to share it with this friend of mine. I got to my house, stopped my car, got out of the car, texted a friend. You're not going to believe what happened today. You're not going to believe what I just heard. If you give these things time, and I sent this long text, and it was really me reaching out for commiseration, somebody to tell me that I was okay, tell me that I was right. And I stared at my phone, Jenny, for what seemed like an eternity. And a few minutes later, a little line comes back on my phone. And I'm like, well, that's certainly not going to be the whole response. Surely there'll be a text very soon now that says, and I'm sorry, I hit send too soon. Here's the rest of the message. 
and nothing else came. So I focused on the message and it was nine words. And my friend who'd walked through this whole thing with me, who'd been like shoulder to shoulder with me the whole time, texted me back and said, don't give the enemy a seat at your table. Wow. And Jenny, it was like a lightning bolt just coming into my world of confusion and frustration and consternation and how I trying to control that thing and manage it and the sleepless nights and all of the looking over your shoulder and, you know, all of that months of just a fog just got clarified by the simplicity of that sentence. And I realized right there, Jenny, that I had not only let the enemy sit at my table, but I was in a conversation with a killer and someone who had no purpose other than to destroy my mind and destroy my mind, my peace of mind, destroy my life. And I'd let him just take the narrative and invite him into the story. And I decided standing in my driveway, I'm taking my table back right here and right now. And that message, uh, ultimately morphed into a bigger story, into a, a bigger theme, but it, it changed my life. And I would say that was years ago now, but I would say on the regular, this yeah, phrase yeah. still, you know, it's one of those books, which I love. You you get the whole message of the book by the title. Just the title comes back to me uh, often. And I'm like, oh, wait a minute. I just let the enemy have a seat at my table and I'm taking this table back right now. Well, I know that there are, you know, so many people listening right now that they get that tension. I would say sometimes, like you, you didn't even, unless your friend had been bold with you, you didn't think to yourself, wow, this is the enemy getting a seat, right? <laughs> you, you don't even notice. It just happens. So talk about that, the way the enemy is cunning and how how he wants to be at your table and not even be noticed. Yeah, well, to fast forward sort of toward the end of the story, you know, we have to be a lot more intentional. And this is what I loved about your book, Get Out of Your Head. We have to be way more intentional in how we interact with our thoughts because the average person thinks a lot of thoughts every day. And, and normally we, we just let them all over the hurdle. You know, they're just, they're in, they're there, they're at the table. And now we're processing how we feel about the thought versus taking that step back and going, wait a minute, where did this thought come from? Is it congruent with God's word, with his character, with his plans, with his purposes for my life? And I think, you know, the enemy is never going to come to our life and say, hi, uh, I'm going to try to destroy everything that is good about your life. No, he's he's going to come down the road I was looking for that day. I think one of the biggest roads he comes down is condemnation that you mentioned earlier. And I think the second biggest road he comes down is commiseration. It's mm. like, man, you know, you need a friend right now. You need somebody just to put their arm around you and, and tell you it's going to be okay. And he'll come through that door. But normally when he comes through that door, it's like, whoa, how are things going at home? Um, hmm, your wife, man, I don't know how you do it. Props to you. I couldn't, I couldn't live with her. And, and, you know, there's a little part of somebody listening right now that's like, I, I, exactly, exactly. No one could live with her or no one could live with him. But we, we love that when someone recognizes the weakness that's there and comes around to celebrate that weakness with us. And that's always the enemy because when the Lord comes into the story, he, he recognizes the weakness 
but he doesn't celebrate the weakness. He always wants to lift us up towards ultimately something that's better, more victorious towards hope. And so, you know, all the enemy needs is a crack or a crevice. And it could start with, man, your boss is a jerk. And you're like, yes, he is, or yes, she is. Um, And then that seed begins to germinate. And before you know it, there's a root in you. And then that root's going to lead to some kind of action because we're not the product of our actions. Ultimately, we're the product of our thoughts. So what you are talking about right now is so needed because we live in a culture where our feelings trump everything else, which all of our feelings begin with thoughts, right? So so we have a feeling that we've been wronged. We have a feeling that we deserve something. We have a feeling. And then what you're saying is what the enemy will do is build that up in you. And I'll say, I'm just going to be devil's advocate here, literally, and say, what is that you know, line, because there's that empathy piece, right? Of someone sharing something with me. I was just having this conversation with a friend this morning who is is in conversations with another friend and they're asking me, do I say the truth? When do I say the truth? You know, I need to listen a certain amount of time. Like as friends in this, because we need teammates to help with this, what is that place of understanding and what is that place of pushing forward and and, and helping people notice? You know what? that That's the enemy. That's not Good, because I'm sure it didn't feel good when your friend responded that way, especially when you were looking for commiseration. Well, I think a simple uh, biblical standard for me and for all of us is speak the truth in love. I mean, that is one of the clearest you know, roadmaps for how we do relationships in life that you can find in scripture. So it's, it's not all about love. And it's not all about speaking the truth. It's speak the truth in love. And so that means you have to have a context, I think. And the context will let you know how much of this moment needs to be love, how much of it needs to be truth, how fast does the truth need to get on the table. But I do think in general, and this is a big generalization, and I probably get a lot of pushback on it, but I think in general, the truth needs to get into the forefront of the conversation a little bit more in the wow. culture that we're in right now, because we're in a very agreeable culture right now. What's your issue? What's your point of view? What's your problem? What have you been through? Okay, let's just let's just live in that. But Jesus is our leader. So this isn't about Jenny Allen. It's not about your book. It's not about Louis Giglio. It's not about his book. This is about Jesus. And Jesus is the most victimized person ever on planet Earth. In the history of humanity, seven and a half billion people who've lived on this Earth, number one, most victimized person on Earth is the one who was innocent and had all the sins of humanity laid on him. So there's no one better to lead us than Jesus. And what Jesus does is he shows us his scars and he understands our infirmity. He identified 1000% with humanity that he is forever fully man and fully God. He didn't just become fully man and fully God. And now he's just fully God again. He's always going to be God, the son of man and son of God. And so he's leading us today and he tells us things like renew your mind, follow the truth, lift up to a higher standard, 
climb to a higher altitude. I was on a plane recently. It was very turbulent. And the pilot said, uh, sorry for the turbulence. We are going to climb to a higher altitude. And Jenny was like the spirit of God just nudged me and said, this is what you need to do a lot more often. You need to say to yourself, there's a little turbulence here. <laughs> I'm going to climb to wow. a higher altitude. And so that's Jesus. He's sitting on a throne, lifting us up. And he's not minimizing pain, hurt, disappointment, abuse. We're not talking about sweeping things under the rug here today. He didn't sweep anything under the rug. We're talking about overcoming. And so how do you overcome? You overcome by truth. Truth sets you free. Sitting around and commiserating doesn't set anybody free. Truth sets you free. So I I think about everybody listening. We're talking about being a healthy person this season, which is why you're here, because this is such the topic. I mean, at the end of the day, we're at war, right? Like this is, there's a war for our mind, for our time, for our lives and how we spend them. Anywhere the enemy gets a seat, anywhere he can, he will take it all, right? He'll, he will cause us to commiserate into where we are not spending our lives well at all. How do we invite people in to this to fight for us? And, and who should we be inviting to the table? Well, I, I think that's what your book's about. <laughs> Find your people. I'm hoping that that's what that's going to help us all do uh, a lot better job of. You know, I think it, it's really simple, Jenny. We gravitate away from accountability yeah. and responsibility, typically. And that's a big statement also. But we gravitate toward acceptance. That's what, that's what motivates. That's what psychologists say motivates uh, about 80% of our behavior is we're we move toward acceptance. So if you've got some people who have no standards, uh, no, no purpose in life, don't share any commonality with you in terms of big picture thinking of faith or, or morals or anything else, but they love you and accept you and will invite you into their group and give you a sense of value. That's how people end up choosing some friend group that's completely contrary to everything they believed in, the, in their heart. Because these people accepted me, they welcomed me. And people right now are lonely and they're isolated and insulated and defeated and deflated. And when someone says, I'll accept you, they're like, okay, great. I'll move towards acceptance. But we're already accepted. And that's the thing that, that we need to keep all coming back around, myself included. We're already in a position of 100% acceptance by God. So out of that, we need to put some people at our table who go, I accept you, but accept you doesn't mean agree with you. I can disagree with you and still fully accept you and love you at the same time. And the reason I know this is true is because God doesn't agree with me. (laughs) He does not agree with me all the time. There are many times throughout the day that he reminds me that he does not agree with me, but he fully loves me all the time. And so we need people around us that we just say, you know what? I would rather just have a friend who commiserates and cries with me and puts her arm around me and lets me be whoever I want to be and lets me do the things I want to do because I deserve it because of all the things I've been through. But what I really need is somebody who is going to speak the truth to me who's going to be consistent with me, who's going to hold me accountable to the things I said I wanted to see changed in my life, who's going to be a 
cheerleader for me. But you know what? The scripture says even the youths will stumble and fall. So it's likely that I might stumble and fall. And I want somebody who's going to be there and go, hey, you know what? Let's just get back up. Let's just start again today. Let's make today the first day of a new journey. And I think that person is who we all need. And it, and it, that person might not exist. So you might need three people to make up that person. Right. But wise. you've yeah. got to get them in a cohort so that you don't buy, bifurcate your friendships, which is like, oh, when I need to hear truth, I'll call that guy. Or when I need a, a friend, I'll call her. Or when I need somebody to understand how hard it is, I'll call her. It's like, no, you need probably all four of them in a common space so that there can be an equality of voice that allows them all to become that person who really does spur you on in life. That's so, so good. As you're talking, I feel like everybody listening, I mean, specifically the next generation, and there's a lot of those that listen to this. And I just, I think that's your life. That's what you're spending a lot of your life doing. You and Shelly is ministering to those that are in the ages of 18 to 25. And I feel like what you're doing, Louie, this whole time, it's been a little bit uncomfortable because you're kind of calling out what is the comfortable way and you're fathering us, but yet your voice is so calm. And there's this sense of like, this is the best way. And I want you to talk about that generation and how you feel toward them and what you want for them. Because I think, you know, we all see this generation coming and, and we're excited by them but we're also worried, right? There's also some concerns we have. So talk just a little bit about them and and what you see coming. I see a a tremendous wave of positivity and beauty coming, especially um, as I'm looking at Gen Z. And I don't know, who knows what that means really and who knows what millennials are and whatever I am, baby boomers and all that. But there's a hunger for for Jesus, a hunger for the word, a hunger for meaning, community that I see coming up that's incredible. But there are some big weights as well. And this is a generation that has been extraordinarily let down. And you can't sugarcoat that. I mean, this is a generation that's parents walked out on them. I mean, most of them have in some way, shape or form been impacted by a parent walking out the door. This is a huge devastating blow to everything that the, the, the father God is trying to build into them. And, you know, the thing I've said, Jenny, many, many times is if God is trying to build a relationship with me as a perfect father, then what is he going to do to shatter that? Then maybe mess up my relationship with my father. Mm. And I lived through, you know, a relationship with a dad who had no relationship with his dad. And by the grace of God, a lot of that got intervened in my life, but I saw the collateral in my dad's life and my dad didn't have a strong faith and a strong walk with the Lord. So, I mean, I just want to say to this young generation, you know, the lies that seem to be competing for um, the foundation of their being are, am I enough? Will I ever be enough? Because I certainly wasn't enough for my my parents to stay together. Mm-hmm. Um, I certainly wasn't enough for uh, my friends to stay with me. And I'm looking around at this global landscape called social media, and I don't know if I'm ever going to be as much as they are, or 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 they are. And so I think to that particular lie, and to the lie, Jenny, that things just can't change. That this is the way I am. This is my situation. This is what happened. And this is just the way it's going to be. And I just got to play this hand for the rest of my life the best I can. I just want to say to them, you're loved by God. 
You're prized by him. You're pursued by him. He, he will, in fact, climb up any mountain and kick down any wall and light up any shadow to come after you because he has. And he calls you his own a son, a daughter of the king. That's what happened to me standing at the top of my driveway that day. I realized I am living like a pauper and I am the son of a king. And so we need that revelation daily that we are loved, treasured, prized. We are valuable. We matter to God. We in Christ are more than enough. And then we need to to keep leaning into this reality that we're in a resurrection story, Jenny. This isn't a, a story of just great Bible heroes. Our story is a dead man came back to life. And if that's our story, truly, we're in a resurrection story, then it doesn't matter if your parents were uh, depressed. You don't have to live depressed. Mm -hmm. It doesn't matter if your mom was an addict. You don't have to be an addict. It doesn't matter if worry was just the atmosphere of your family. You don't have to be a worrier for the rest of your life. Things can change by the transforming power of the Spirit of God in the context, as you said earlier, of people who love you and who will walk the walk with you. So passion is coming. So excited to get to be there with you. I'm so honored to get to be there with you and all of these students. Talk about that for a minute and, and talk to them why they need to get there because that is not optional. If you are in the ages of 18 to 25, you are going to come to Passion. You're coming. You're coming. January you, 2nd you need and 3rd. You make a decision now and not, you know, COVID has put everything on like yeah. super pause. Like I'll, I'll decide like the day before. And we already had 18 to, 18 to 25s who already wanted to decide the day before. But I would encourage people, look, this is this time in history where we need to be decisive and we need to come together and fill up a stadium, not because of passion or because of anybody who's speaking there or any name of any human being, but we need to come together in this global uncertainty and say, you know what, there is a lot of unknown, but there are some things that are known. And we are the, we are the generation that belongs to Jesus and he is still King. He is still Lord. He is still the head of the church. He is still unrivaled and he has a track record that is perfect. And we want to live for him. And so there's, I think somebody said, how have you guys done through COVID? I said, you know what? Almost steamrolled, to be honest, almost flat out run over. You cannot be leading a family, a classroom, an organization, or a church during the last 18 months and not feel like you haven't been hit by 100 Mack trucks. Yeah. But at the same time, I said, but you know what? We're still punching. We're still punching. We opened a new building. We just launched a new campus. We are about to fill a stadium. All of that doesn't make any sense in this climate unless you have faith and you have a God who's worth worthy of that faith. And so if you're 18 to 25, I'm telling you, there's nothing like looking around a stadium yeah, yeah. and going, everybody in this stadium, for the most part, is here because they are sold out for Jesus. They are yeah. on a mission for Jesus. And okay. there's something about that that you can't read about it. You can't hear about it. You can't even watch it online and experience it. Honestly, it's something palpable in the great assembly. And uh, there are already tens of thousands of people who have already staked their place in, in the bins. 
but there's seats for tens of thousands more. But I am so excited that you're speaking at Passion. Thank you for saying yes. And you and Zach are such amazing people. The movement that you are leading has so uh, such a profound impact on people. And Jenny, I know that you don't care about this sort of thing, but when I'm looking at uh, 18 to 25 year olds and 25 to 30 year old faces, and I'm saying Jenny Allen speaking at Passion, just the excitement. Oh. And it's not about Jenny Allen, Jenny Allen. It's just yeah. like God is using this voice and using her particular gifting to call up millions of people into a greater love of God, a greater love of his word, a more practical coming together of how do I get in his word and allow that to to lead me out into the world. So long answer, but here's the thing. We want to gather in the bins as a thunderclap to what happened on New Year's Eve 2020. The lightning struck there, and then we went into global shutdown. And we now, two years later, believe there's going to be a thunderclap there. And it's going to be a sending, Jenny, that it is going to be a great sending of people to the unreached peoples of the world. I agree with that. The Bibleist peoples of the world, (laughs) the toughest places to go in the world, that arrows are going to be launched out of Mercedes-Benz Stadium that are going to impact history and eternity. I have chills from the top of my head to my toes. I cannot wait to be there. And I do, I agree with everything you're saying, Louis. I think there is work that will be done for generations on those two days. So you're coming. If you're listening and you're that age, if you're listening and you're a mom of that age, you are going to go get your kids a ticket. They don't have to pay for it. Go get them a ticket. If you know anybody that age, Go get them tickets because there is something about being in a room where you're not alone. Because I think all of us have felt, wherever we are, have felt alone. But college students, for sure, if they're in a dark place, if they're in a place where where they are in the minority of, of believers, they feel alone right now. And so to feel like you're part of something... Just, I mean, it, it helps you persevere. It helps you do wherever God has put you better. So anyway, Louie, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I'm so grateful for your life and Shelly's and just how it's changed me and Zach's life as well. We are Shelly and I couldn't love you guys more and we're pumped and I'm so grateful for all that's happening, but really, really grateful that we're going to get to uh, do this Passion 22 journey with you guys. Me too. I'll see you soon. Passion 2022 is coming this January 2nd and 3rd at the Mercedes-Benz Stadium in Atlanta. It is a two-day experience that you do not want to miss. You can go to passion2022.com and if you use the code IFGATHERING, I-F-G-A-T-H-E-R-I-N-G, all one word, you can get $40 off your ticket. You guys, if you have a student in your life, this is something that you can give that truly could change the course of their life forever. And don't miss out on Louie's book, Don't Give the Enemy a Seat at Your Table. I'll put the link in the show notes for you guys too. We'll see you next time for another episode of the Made for This podcast. With LinkedIn Jobs, we tap into a network of more than a billion professionals to help you find quality professionals quickly and easily for any role you need. 
Marketing wizards? Found them. Software engineers? Found. That project manager I could never seem to hire? And found. LinkedIn Jobs quickly matches your roles with candidates with the right skills and experience. In fact, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Post your first job for free and get started at linkedin.com slash spoken. That's linkedin.com slash spoken. Terms and conditions apply. 